Happy New Year. On behalf of Jennifer, Daniel, Brian, and myself, Carrie, we hope you have a fabulous 2021. And we're here to help you with that. This episode is being published Thursday, December 31st, 2020. Can you believe it? 2020 is almost over. I'm popping on here real quick to do a little bit of housekeeping with you. I've got three things to tell you. Number one, starting January 10th, we are doing a five-day marketing challenge. It's going to run through uh, Monday to Friday. This challenge will help you attract your ideal customers. It will give you simple and easy strategies that you can use for the rest of the year to help you execute a marketing strategy. It's super simple. And if you can invest five to 10 hours in these five days, that's total, not each day. So about an hour to two hours a day, you will be set up. You will have a path. You will have an understanding. You will remove friction between you and the money. And you won't have to hustle quite so hard or at all for new clients. And the ones you do get, the ones you attract, will be better clients, will stay with you longer because they are the right clients. So if you want to participate in this challenge, which myself, Daniel, Jennifer, and Brian will be doing with you, click the link in the show notes to sign up for the newsletter or go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com. Scroll down a little bit, plug in your info to sign up for the newsletter. Super simple. If you're already signed up to the newsletter and in the community, you're good to go. You do not have to do anything special. You will get all the stuff delivered to you Thursday, January 7th. So you can be ready Monday, January 10th, 2021 to start the challenge with us. Second thing, we will be announcing a slight change to our schedule in the next few weeks because hashtag 2020, things have changed professionally and personally and we need to make some tweaks, um, mostly so we can stay up long enough to do the live stream recording. We've had some life changes, so we're going to make some tweaks. We will absolutely let you know in the best place to find out is the newsletter. Third thing, even podcast editors are not perfect. So one of our guests, we will remain nameless, had a recording fail. So we had to strip the audio from the Facebook Live. And if you've ever had to do that before, you know it's imperfect, like seriously imperfect. So we did the best we could with it. Despite that problem, this is a fascinating conversation to listen to. So if you aren't familiar with Steve Stewart and Mark Deal, because we kind of forgot to introduce them because we were so excited from the survey result reveal, they are the co-founders of Podcast Editors Club, Podcast Editors Academy, and the Podcast Editors Conference. 
So they do a lot of work in this podcast editing community. Without further ado, let's start the show. Uh, um, so how much is that? Well, here we are at the after party on the podcast <laughs> editor mastermind show. We've got Steve Stewart and Mark Deal with us who just revealed the big survey results from the 2020 podcast editors survey if you missed that go back and watch the replay for sure we're gonna start with where we ended i think about the daw question because you were kind (laughs) of like holding back some information from us there so maybe we should let them frame up what that question was a little bit about the survey yeah, so Steve has been asking people for years, hey, how much do you make as an editor? And last year, I asked Steve, like, hey, can I have those results? Because I want to do some math stuff that I kind of missed from my corporate days. And I, I had some insights. And this year, I was brought in before he did the survey. We asked a little bit more questions. And one of those was, what doll do you use? Not that I expected that to influence what people were quoting. And it turns out it, it did. So that's the setup. That's the background. If I understand this correctly, there seems to be a, some kind of mathy correlation between what software you use to edit and how much you get paid. Is that right? How much you, you ask to get paid. Yes. Yeah. So as an editor, I want to know what software should I switch to? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll stick to the que- or I'll stick to the answer I've been giving to people on social media for the last five years. Use whatever doll that you are willing to invest the time to learn correctly. I don't think there's a magic bullet out there. Even though the math said there was, I still don't believe there is. Okay, so what DAW did did the math say there was? Steve? It was Pro Tools. Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. We have any Pro Tools users in the house? Nope. Not now. Uh, Not not, not yet, you mean, right? (laughs) And I have a theory on that. Now, we can't prove it out from the survey results, but I think it's because when you... When you're working at a radio station, when you're working in a recording studio, a lot of times the software they're using is Pro Tools. So you're going to get a, a head start using the tools there before you ever come over to podcast setting. Or at least, it, it, you know, when you think about the history of audio production, digital audio production, I should say, before, you know, after real to real tape and stuff like that. Pro Tools was kind of head above the rest. And it was, who, Jennifer, weren't you using something like Cool Edit Pro? Cool Edit and, Pro and radio, yeah. Yeah, see, you got you got all the radio people I know around here on Cool Edit Pro (laughs) until it died, which which is why we're on audition now. Which was what two (laughs) thousand (laughs) two? Well, I had it on my computer till like twenty sixteen, and now we've got Pro Tools as as the the big heavy monster studio production software, and I think that's where if you're looking at people who are charging more or asking for more, if you got. The certification, isn't there a Pro Tools certification? I believe there is. I think there um, is, yeah. Yeah, if Chris Curran jumps over here, he can answer that for us. I think that's why Pro Tools was showing up as the higher for people who are charging more or asking for more for the editing. And they've got that background behind them, the experience. 
Yeah, and they on the um, the local recording studio place, the uh, like Lexington Audio Engineering School, something or other. They teach and give their students Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. So then they're being professionally trained and learning this. Now, are all of them going to be editors? I don't know, but if you're going to invest the time and money to get trained on something like that, you're going to want to charge more. Now, I'd like to throw this question over that to Carrie sense. because Carrie's been using Audition for five, six years. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, it's not. <laughs> you haven't been using uh, Audition for five or six years? Only two years. Okay. And now you're being required to learn Hindenburg for the Stony Brook uh, education, right? Well, required loosely, and I kind of gave up on it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but that's interesting that somebody is actually showing you Hindenburg as being part of the curriculum or the or the tools that you need to to learn whatever their you know the education pieces that you're taking there. Right, because that's what they teach in journalism school. Right, because Hindenburg right. is built, and, and I'm sure Brian wants to jump in now, is built more for that storytelling type of rearranging post-production side. Yeah. I think the way I like to tell people is most software that you would use is built for mixing. And Hindenburg is built for editing first. So built for story first, built for moving things around. Other software can do that. But the primary function of a lot of those softwares from inception was really about mixing music and doing the things that happen with that. So was Hindenburg DAW Y? Hindenburg was. So those were the only two DAWs that consistently moved the the needle. And they weren't the majority. They weren't the DAWs majority in use, right? There was Adobe Audition. There's Audacity. Of course, there's other ones like Reaper. I don't remember all the other ones. But yeah, uh, Hindenburg consistently had people quote $23 more for the job and Pro Tools $59. So yeah, Pro Tools was number one and Hindenburg was number two. And I think now with the the knowledge that everyone has given me, it's because people go to school to learn to do this as a job. They Mm -hmm. learn Pro Tools. So not only are they learning Pro Tools, but they're learning how to do this as a job. So if they leave their job to become a podcast editor, they have those skills to do this as a job and present themselves as a professional. Somebody has been doing this for, for perhaps uh, many years. So maybe Pro Tools, that's why it was it was strongly mm-hmm. indicated. And then Hindenburg with journalism school, maybe that's another reason. Uh, those are perhaps the paths to get in where somebody pointed out it is expensive. But like Adobe Audition isn't cheap either, but since so many people have it, but again, do they have the training to to be an editor or run an editing business, which is what, what Steve and I specialize in? Yeah. And, and I think maybe there's also a, a, a bit of a price gap with Hindenburg, right? The pro version is nearly $400, which is on the expensive end, unless you start counting the monthly subscription for Audition, right? So Audition is what, 20, 25 bucks a month? But I think you 30 put that now. Over 30, yeah. You put that yeah. over a couple of years. Yeah, it's more expensive than Hindenburg, but it's not more expensive all at one time. More accessible. But we thought it was interesting and because I like to have interpretations for this type of data when I pull in and the math tells me like, hey, this is an indicator. Like, but why? What can I learn from that indicator to improve myself or improve others? Do I need to have what that indicator is giving me or is there a root cause underneath of it? 
that is really the thing. And that's what I felt with dolls. Like, well, I can't see software driving it, but I thought it was the path to software. And thanks to everybody here. Now I understand that a little bit more. I think another important thing to mention is that when you're learning Pro Tools, you're not learning to edit so much as you're learning about the audio engineering piece. Audio engineering is a step above just learning how to cut the ums out of it. You know, when we talk about editing, it's the definition is more about cutting, editing, and maybe rearranging things like that. Whereas when you're looking at Pro Tools, it's more about mm-hmm. the music mix, the, the EQ, the compression, the things like that. I always thought perhaps it's the path in and I see Mary in the chat. Thank you. And uh, Chris is saying the same thing as well as uh, Amita is saying the same thing that the schools are teaching with pro tools. So people are learning to do this job in a structured environment to get paid to do this job using pro tools. And so not only are they taking what they've learned in their doll, but how they go about it and therefore, you know, charging more. And engineering, audio engineering is going to demand a higher rate than just editing. Yeah, I think that was one of the things when I raised my rates was when I started using RX. It was like, oh, well, now I can do more things. Maybe those two things just happened at the same time. You know, like, okay, it's time to raise the rates. Well, we can't all go out and get Pro Tools and then just instantly tell our clients we got to charge more. No, but it just but doesn't it just, work that way. Just kind of. Yes, it's the audio engineering piece I think that comes along with learning Pro Tools that made that, you know, yeah. at the top. Plus, we're talking about Hindenburg and what Mark was saying about learning the job, and you've got that experience to bring with you to the podcast editing site because podcast editing is still a baby industry. We're still small, but there's a demand out there for it, which I think is fantastic. We're we're those big fish in a small pond right now, all of us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to um, ask because Mark Yellen had asked about the DAWs, but how many people do you have a number for how many people use a Pro Tools in the survey? I do. Let me. You're going to make him open up his Excel spreadsheet. I'm not going to open up my Excel sheet, but I did it when we did the podcast editor, the survey results in the club. I showed this Pareto chart, which has it in there. You were asking about uh, Pro Tools was fifteen uh, percent, so fifteen percent of the people that responded were using Pro Tools. How many people responded? Was it one hundred thirty-six? Okay, okay. So, so I'm not going to do the math, but I'm assuming 13, other people can. So about twenty twenty-one, <laughs> I guess. Okay. Yeah. Now I feel like I, if I open up the spreadsheet, I'm going to fall in a black hole. You won't hear from me. So Steve has told me, Mark, you are not allowed to open spreadsheets. I'm what he calls a spreadhead. That's okay. A Mark, spread. you can go. I'll carry this. I'll carry us both. <laughs> All right. Bye. Uh, Brian, I, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. So I'm going to. Oh, that's okay. That was that was a, a great point about that, right? How What's the percentage? How many people use that? Because I I think that's something that people especially people that are interested in doing this as a business, they might just want to know, like, what are other people using? Mm-hmm. If people wanted to get access to this and they haven't already seen that video, where, where should we send people to get that information? Oh, that's a question to, to us. <laughs> yeah, about the yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. we could talk to each other. But, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> in fact, you want to put up a link to, to Steve's newsletter. Uh, you can sign yeah. up for that. If you're not on the email list, uh, you should get on Steve's email list. He's going to send the, the replay out to everybody. There, Oh, there it is. Thank you for throwing that link up. 
if you're signed up on that, you're good to go. You're going to get uh, the link to the replay. If not, you should definitely uh, sign up and, and get the replay and some of the other insights from the replay and from this talk and from, from uh, some other things that we will put in there. And that link is podcasteditoracademy.com slash newsletter. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sorry, I told you you would lose me if I opened up Excel. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the pretty numbers. Exactly. And I do colors and numbers. Yeah. So was there anything that kind of stunned you in comparison from last year to this year? Well, it was a different survey because we asked a lot more questions. I think the big thing that stunned us was the pay gap. We knew there'd be a pay gap, but it went the other way because everybody says women don't get paid as much as men and, you know, women are underrepresented. And I, I mean, we saw last year in the podcasting space, you know, where podcasters, a lot more women were coming on board. I think they were saying it was over 40 percent of podcasters were female. And now we're seeing that in the editing space, even though there still are more men, at least the ones that took the survey, it was uh, two thirds of, of the survey were men. Well, that left the other third were female. And that Mark were able to pull out of there was the ones who identified as female were charging more, asking more per episode. Consistently charging more. Yeah. yeah. They were just busting that mold. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So here's something that, that I think that may have also influenced that. And I think you, you guys are partly right that it has a lot to do with the fact that we work very hard as women to find clients who are the right fit for us. And I also think that like that coaching piece is so important to women as well and the customer service, those kind of things. But also the fact that women consistently have been having the conversation about rates for as long as I've been doing this, Mm. right? Which three years, as long as there have been just busters, which I think is two years old. Yeah. And then, but I also know in other production organizations for women, they have the same conversations and they do a lot of surveys and things like that as well. So I think that this is something that we, as women and not only women, anybody who doesn't identify as male, we've been having these conversations ad nauseum, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that because of that, we're having a shift, essentially. So. And we have the conversation in an encouraging one another way, too. It's not like, oh, you are so silly. What are you doing? You know, it's like, no, you're worth more than that. Why are you, you know, charging that? Okay, that's a great place to start. But now that you've been doing this for a while, you need to edit or something like that so just busters is a nice place so ladies who are listening and those who identify please join us just busters google it you won't find us and i think you guys might have just gotten a little bit of a, a shout out just buster related right the survey might be skewed because the females you have in podcast editors club as well as the just busters are invested in changing that gap that's a really big deal well um, good I know for for my day job, it's something we continue to talk about, right? How do we make sure the larger company that I work for, that they do that? Mm -hmm. And I applaud them for that. It's really great to see that made flesh right here. That's great Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, I think that was reflected when we showed early on the demographics of our Facebook group, which isn't just women. It's mixed, as well as the survey response was we had a little bit more women percentage I think it was 36 vice like the 32 in the Facebook group. Mary asked how many women was that? That was 49 in the survey. And I also agree to Mary's other point earlier on the comment that I just saw 
uh, popped up that I think women, you know, showed up and said, oh, this is what I make. And because they are active in the space, probably because what you said, Carrie and, and Jennifer, that you've been challenging them to, to step out. Let's openly talk about rates. Don't let anybody get underpaid. Don't undercharge. And it's working. You, you are just busting that mold. And I, I love it. And I'll applaud Steve and, and maybe myself a little bit. When we did the podcast editors conference, we're like, who are we going to get to talk about sales and marketing and branding? Uh, we didn't get guys up there. Uh, we got the strong women that knew what they were doing. And we learned from them. <laughs> I already had in my head who the you know, branding, marketing, pricing, getting the right clients. I already had that in my head before we even started writing them down on paper. And that's because... You guys already stand for those things. We're talking about Carrie was talking about the branding because your branding is on point. And Emily's talking about the marketing. This is all at the podcast editors conference last year in person, which is fantastic. When we could do that sort of thing. Yeah. When yeah. We, yeah. And, and boy, it was, the, it was such good information, too. That information also trickles down to the guys in the room, which I hopefully, you know, we're charging more as well. But. The important piece to remember here is that we've got these two Facebook groups, which are just Facebook groups that are helping people to improve their skills, to get the confidence from the community, to be able to ask for more. But now I'm worried about the guys. <laughs> lagging well, so far behind, right? Don't worry about us. We'll worry about ourselves. Keep in mind well, the overall rate increase this year overall yeah. yes oh, wow. thank you steve thank you and that is the industry win that we can all share together and mm -hmm. we can learn from the ladies i imagine that right i mean my mentor for the last four years is is a woman back before robin styles got up on stage and said men hire women as your mentors i'm like yes i'm already there but as we spoke earlier about pro tools people that use pro tools are getting paid like 60 bucks more for that standard based job what is it about that industry and the path to use Pro Tools that Steve and I can learn from and teach everybody else to further increase that rate? So it's a mix of a lot of things. And we're using these, these factors, these indicators to point us to, hey, this is significant. Look under that rock and try to interpret it. And we're doing that with the help of uh, all of you. So thank you. So we're talking about like being able to use the survey to see the work that we need to do, right? Now... This is the first survey that included women, and then it also included non-binary folks. There was that option. Um, well, to be clear, the question was posed, do you identify male, female, or I forget the, the third option there. Right. Yeah, and I, I asked I asked Steve to put that in there. It's like we have to ask a gender. Uh, Steve, I want to use this for statistical survey. I know women want to know what the gap is. We need to ask uh, you know gender identifying questions. And when people chose to identify genders or you know non-binary genders, we got to see if it influenced rates. So it was it, it was kind of baked in last year, but we didn't know where it was because again, these are anonymous surveys. Google doesn't right. tell you tell us who you are. Google just. Uh, says, look, this person has already responded, so they can't do it more than once. So what about ethnicity or race? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you're planning on including in the future? Because I think that I know a lot of the work that we do within JustBusters specifically is to kind of amplify people of color, women of color, especially being for white women who, you know, coming from a place of privilege and running this group, that that's something that's really important to us. Do you have 
any plans for that in the future? Like, cause I personally, I just want to know <laughs> what work we need to do. Right. Agreed. Here's what I would say to that. We're going to add more as we can. And as we think it will give us uh, uh, some ideas that being said, so what? So what, Carrie, if I were to give you perfect information, if people of color are making less or are making more, so what? I say, let's go ahead and include those people. Like when Steve and I did podcast at Earth's conference, we made sure that we included women. We included people of color. I run podcast Atlanta. Atlanta's a very diverse population. I make sure that the stage is as diverse as the crowd. So to that, so what? If I were to give you perfect information, is that going to change what you're going to do? And if so, not you personally, but if so, shame on you. You should do that now with well, that mission in mind. I'm saying like as a community leader, that helps me prioritize what exactly what pieces I need mm -hmm. to work on. Like more like the so critical need, essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm and, you know, we're only a few people. Mm -hmm. Right. Serving, you know, a thousand so, you know, that's what that information, I think, I see is that. helpful for. Yeah, I, yeah. I see that. And again, I'm going back in my corporate data science thing. I used to tell executives what I would call the cost of curiosity, right? There, and that was basically like, hey, if I were to give you, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Executive, perfect information on that, are you going to change your behavior or is this just a, a nice to know? And really, if you are just looking for data to justify what you want to do and what you believe is right, do what you believe is right and leave my team alone. <laughs> Again, that's about my corporate speak. One of the things I'd really like to ask if I can shift a little bit, and I don't think we'll really be able to anytime soon, is what industry people are in. Because I think industry is a big reflection of how much you make and how much you, you could make. Uh, if you're a podcast editor serving farmers or a podcast editor serving uh, CPAs or, or attorneys or personal finance people, I think that probably swings the, the needle a lot. Also, I'd like to look a little bit more into regional variation because uh, there was a lot of countries that just had one person. I want to see, can I group things uh, to, to find out a little bit more? So I'll get off my soapbox. I apologize. Yeah. But that's, as you can tell, somebody that, that runs a podcasting group in a very diverse location. Uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. And I don't want anybody to be disappointed if we don't ask those questions in the next year's survey, because there already are a lot of questions to answer. And we don't want to scare people away because it's going to take 30 minutes to fill out a survey. And I'm not going to entice people with a $5 bill to fill out the survey because that gets to be expensive. So we're going to evaluate what we think are the most important questions that need to be asked and get that data so that we can provide this still this very good information uh, next year in 2021. But I think also I think that Mary's point is also a good one because she said the information is not just helpful for you guys, but it's information for those that identify with the spectrum to be represented and see that they can also do this job. And I think there's value in that. So I would encourage you strongly to include that data simply because this is what the community is asking for. This is what this segment of the community is asking for. Those who may otherwise feel marginalized or unrepresented, I think that it will not just help us as community leaders, it will help inspire them to be more confident podcast editors and more active participants in the community, which make us all better, I think. Okay. 
Agreed. So it's an easy question and we could put it in. Uh, but again, that would be next year. And I, I was really just trying to challenge people to to look at what we have now and, mm -hmm. and take that to pull yourself up as well as if oh, you absolutely. have the opportunity to pull other people up around you. Do so. Absolutely. But I'm just I'm just challenging you because I'm thinking ahead now. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thinking about next year. I'm thinking what, um, you know, people have asked to see in the future. So. Yeah. And if you need help, right, because I know you're just two guys doing this for the love of it. Yeah, I'm happy to. to that that actually would uh, would be uh, helpful. So, I mean, Carrie, as well, I see Mary in the chat as well. The hardest part is getting survey respondents. One hundred and thirty six. It took us six weeks to get mm -hmm. 136 editors uh, into yeah. it. Um, yeah. And next year, I think we'll do a survey a lot like we did this year. So that way we can have a little bit more of a trend. You saw I did some gross comparisons of averages last year to this mm -hmm. year, but it really wasn't enough for, for trend lines. And we could still include ethnicity as well as some other questions and still be able to have some you know, trend line data. And that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, more more respondents is always, always yeah. good stuff. Well, we'll we'll get, you know, we'll get behind you and, and push that out to the world. So. <laughs> cool. And one of the things that when you were talking about it live in the reveal that you went, ha, this is interesting, were the events. Like, well, if you go to one podcast event, but if it's this event versus that event, but if you go once, you see this bump. If you go twice, forget it. And you, you just scratch your head like, where? Yeah, well, I was doing what? the same thing. <laughs> And when I was listening to that, I know that when I go the first year, I'm meeting people, I'm seeing new people, I'm looking for referrals. Hi, I'm an editor. I'm introducing myself as that. I'm branding myself as that. Nobody knows me here. I got to make myself out to be the editor and I get referrals and this works. The second year, I'm like, hey, friends, what's up? And I'm not or especially the third year, like the third year, I'm not even thinking about trying to get new people anymore. I just want to hang out with folks. So you're walking in the room like a boss. I know. I'm like, hey, yeah, it's me. She knows everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> so from my perspective is why you might see some of that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Daniel, you've been quiet. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> I don't have anything on the event. I didn't catch anything. Uh, okay. No great insights for me there. <laughs> oh, okay. Steve, you want to recap what we're talking about for those who didn't see it? On the which piece? Because there was a lot of stuff. Uh, the conferences, right? Yeah, the conference yeah. piece. Yeah. The so we found a, a big correlation of people who went to PodFest. No, the, the, it was the other, wasn't so much PodFest and Podcast Movement, but the ones that were not PodFest and Podcast, these other podcasting conferences. The right. Well, ones. that was the large win. It was to go to the other conferences. Because, again, I think, Carrie, you actually commented, and I think it's the, the perfect analogy is, you know, big fish, small pond. Mm -hmm. When you're walking into a room of 3,000 people at Podcast Movement, there's going to be other people who are your direct competition. Now, there's going to be a lot more demand in that inside that room for what your services provide as well. But if you're walking into, I'll just use the example of Podfecta. It was a podcasting conference. It's limited to 100 people in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And the number of people there who were podcast editors 
was probably me, myself, and I. That's three people. That's it. It was uh, me, Brian, Daniel, and you, Steve. There oh, were, that's right. You guys were Mark. there, yes. Yeah, we were there. Yeah. In the front row. <laughs> yeah, everybody but Carrie. Which, by the way, probably highlights the point, right? It's the same people over and over again at these smaller conferences. So you get a bump if you go once, but... Do I need to see all of you again? <laughs> At a small yes. one? <laughs> yeah, sir. But not for her. Let's just go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was so interesting back. is that last week we were talking about this very thing is going to non going to industry conferences oh, yeah. and being the podcast person for your industry. You know, Steve, we used you as an example. Like when I think of FinCon podcasts, like you're the guy. So there is a huge value in going, getting outside the podcast bubble into your niche. Yeah, there's a lot of history behind that as well. I was already attending the conference for four years before I Mm -hmm. started editing for anybody. And I was only doing the editing for myself until 2016. And as soon as those, you know, there's, there's this growing community of people in digital media creating content and podcasting was on the rise. I was already ingrained in the podcasting medium, not because of podcasting, but it was something that I was already doing with my financial coaching business. So that when the switch got turned on, oh, Steve's editing podcasts, I need an editor. I know, like, and trust him because I already know him from from the FinCon Expo. Mm -hmm. That just started the phone ringing and it it took over. So when we're talking about going to non-podcasting conferences, again, big fish, small pond even though that was 2000 people who go to that conference, there wasn't a lot of editors there. Just like you would say, there's not a whole lot. You know, the majority of people aren't Instagram marketers or Facebook ad specialists. There are people there who are, but there's only a handful, a very small handful. And when you get to be known inside of a small community as that guy or that girl, you get instant credibility, even though you haven't earned it from that person. I get people all the time recommending me and I've never worked with them. I might've had a small conversation with them on Facebook and for whatever reason they recommend Steve's the guy. It's not really earned credibility. I'm not going to turn it away. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure that everybody understands a lot of the survey results. What one thing that didn't get highlighted that I, I wholeheartedly believe in is the customer service aspect of it. When you provide really good customer service, no matter your skill level, you win over your client and they stick with you and they're going to bend over backwards to help that, you do whatever it is that you need, you know, take a, take a week off or whatever. They're going to help get you the files early. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a note I made about people who the editors that offer coaching, it's like the musical window, <laughs> the uh, the editors that offer coaching are mm-hmm. getting what was like 19 something mm-hmm. more. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you're positioning yourself as an expert. You can justify higher rates. You are attracting higher quality clients or, I guess, higher ticket clients because the people that are looking for coaching and for consultation can afford to pay it. And they're probably using the podcast for, like, a business or something. So they're the ones that can afford to pay higher rates. And then on top of that... Through coaching, you're building that relationship so that way as you grow in your business, you start charging more. They're going to stick with you because you have that relationship. Yeah. It 
makes it you're worth more. And as you mentioned, it, it makes uh, that hurdle rate higher. So it's harder for them to, to fire you because you're so much more entrenched. And I believe, again, this is my interpretation and belief of that data that strongly pointed that people that offer coaching and consulting services make more is that since they are positioning th- themselves and not just an expert in the podcast production side of things, but also your outcome as a podcaster. Some people want great guests. Some people want ratings and reviews. Some people want, uh, you know, to sell more services and and consulting or uh, downloads. And I think people that offer coaching and consulting services uh, look at those Mm -hmm. metrics, identify those metrics and help their clients reach those metrics and therefore perhaps get paid more, even if they're not. uh, And this is the thing with this question, as well as the events question, we weren't asking where do you go to get paid more? We were just asking, what do you get paid? And then we asked all these other things. So even the fact that you offer coaching and consulting uh, allows you to get paid more when you're not doing it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, if I can I, give a testimony, because with the coaching aspect, if you're going to be, let's say you've got five people in the room who can edit podcasts, they're all equally skilled. They're all charging the exact same amount. You got the one person walks in the room you all do the same thing except one person offers coaching or they have the ability to coach through problems. Which one are they going to pick? You're going to be able to command a higher rate because you know both sides of the microphone. The coaching thing I really do do think is a really important piece of that. Rather than just being an editor, you've got to be able to do all the things. Even though you might not do all the things, you just got to be knowledgeable about it because that client may lean on you for some advice and support, uh, I just lost a client, one of my highest playing clients this week because they wanted video editing and I don't do video editing. Uh, so because I don't have that skill set and I don't want to do that thing, uh, by the way, I'm losing a high paying client. However, I gained another client because of, you know, all the support that I give to this niche community I'm talking about. They, they're just already like, oh, Steve, I just need you because you're you're the guy. And I'm, you know, I give value through communications, through Facebook group com, uh, communications. We just had our expo virtually online last weekend. The coaching, the the ability to help and provide great service, that all adds up, and that helps me to be able to create. A, I, I mean, I'm making a living editing podcasts. It's insane, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, and then just kind of to piggyback on that, most clients aren't going to hire you or like stick around because you can EQ perfectly or you can like engineer their show to perfection. If you can help them like with the technical side of recording to make it easier, make them look good in front of their guests, help grow their show. Like that's, what's going to keep them around. Deliver on time. To expand on that a little further, it's not just those aspects, although yes, they are super important, but I think at its core, it's really coming down to that customer service piece where how do you communicate with people? Mm-hmm. How do you approach every problem like the customer, the client is wonderful, right? And that your job is to encourage them and work them through those problems without letting on ever that you are so frustrated (laughs) with them. I mean, really, that is a challenge for anybody working in customer service. How do you pull that off? Like it's effortless. 
and like it's not a problem and we'll take care of it and communicate that to the customer so they really feel like they're getting that high level of service. And I think that is uh, a developed skill. I don't think that is something that just happens. Right. Customer service is probably your most expensive activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes up more time and you're not really benefiting from that time, not directly. Even yeah. if you're getting charged, if you're charging them for coaching, then you are. But when that customer service aspect comes into play, you're going to go the extra mile to make sure things are done right and they're delivered on time the way that they want it. And they got an email, they got a question, and uh, they forgot to send you two files that were the right ones and you started editing the wrong one. I mean, it's, it's all stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. You can't complain. You, oh, I guess you can. <laughs> I think Not Brittany, to them. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brittany drops a hammer on her clients, but they love her That's anyway. So very, I'm sure if we could all watch Brittany interact with her clients when they, when there's a problem and when they frustrate her, you would never know it. I'm sure it would be like a, a teaching moment for all of us. I think Brittany, Brittany, if you're listening, we need you to record yourself in these situations <laughs> so we can have trained, like, you know, like when you call the customer service line, like, so we can all have training with you. <laughs> That's your yeah. next course. Yeah. And Brittany, you're right. It, if anyone hasn't seen or heard that episode of Brittany on podcast that are mastermind, go check it out. Cause it is a master lesson in customer service. And in fact, when I even talked about the, that block in the podcast that her business model, you know, customer service segments, I, I quoted how Brittany does that. You know, you have to work within her systems in order to be able to be her client. You know, is that going to be you or are you going to, you know, work with uh, with client systems and really that all depends. But yes, thinking about customer service and how you'll interact with your customers will uh, affect your, your prices and how you sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want it to sound like I was trying to make Brittany sound like a horrible person. She's not. No. I think she's <laughs> no. fair but firm. And yes. When you're honest and truthful with people, they know where you stand. And I think that also plays into this factor a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's probably a whole different episode, but because she works with coaches who know, like they give advice. So like they are kind of like those tough love kind of people. So they can appreciate whenever she's like telling them, like, this is what you need to do in order to whatever. I so would, and it, it comes down to I would like, argue with that, though. Oh, really? I think it's a lot easier for people to give tough love than to receive it. <laughs> sure, sure. I, as I pointed out, I think it has to do with editor-client fit. And I think yes. that uh, I really feel that perhaps women are doing a better job with editor-client fit than perhaps, uh, men. and not just using one example, but the 36% of those that uh, they respond. Perhaps that's why they're doing it. That as well as the, the support in the JustBusters group and women bringing each other up. So that kind of brings me to something that I made a note of. And one of the surprising statistics was that editors that have been editing three to five years make less than the average. And when I saw that, like I thought back to, you know, where was the industry three to five years ago? And this was pre podcast editor Academy conference. It was kind of like when I was first getting started. And just learning about the you know podcast editors club, and since then we've had a huge push in the editing industry to charge more. 
and then couple that with JustBusters, who are pushing for higher rates. So you have, you know, editors that have been three to five years that are kind of stuck maybe in that old mindset that's and harder to either they have clients that they don't want to raise the rates on or they're kind of on old pricing. But then you have like this new crop of editors that are seeing what the industry is now, seeing like there is a lot of money to be made, are getting encouragement from just busters from the academy from the club to charge what they're worth so i think like new editors are more confident to charge more and are skewing the data i guess younger newer I'm not 100 percent convinced that's true though because we've got stephanie here in the chat asking just commenting that it would be really interesting to see how skills also play into that right it might not just be length of service there might be some other factors did you guys test for anything that goes with length of service uh we did not although that length of it wasn't length of service it was uh, experience in editing how yeah. long have you okay, been editing you whether paid or not right and we had a different question for getting paid so somebody has been editing three to five years may have been getting paid to edit for like six months and that was two different questions but Again, whether somebody had been editing for zero to one years or one to three, three to five, there was a dip. And then after five years, it, you know, the, the dip was gone. And my interpretation was that people are starting to understand how much they don't know. You know, when you first start editing, you're like, oh, it's just a simple. At first, you're like, oh, my gosh, it's so hard. And you're like, oh, it's a simple copy paste. I'll move stuff around. Then you start learning about LUFs and EQ, compressor levelers, plugins, different DAWs. I think maybe people are, uh, my interpretation was people are starting to fear what they don't know. Now, what Daniel was saying is a good point. And I hadn't thought about that. Perhaps the three, the people that have been editing for three to five years, they came in as you know, Steve Stewart and long list of names. I, I won't, I won't list them all, but since, you know, Steve is, Steve is here <laughs> really putting editors on top and saying, Hey, editing is a job. There are people that edit podcasts. Perhaps those people were kind of born into that and felt mm -hmm. perhaps they had to undercharge in order to be competitive. But those that came after realize I should charge a lot. And those that have been yeah. before the incumbents are like, I should charge a lot because I've been doing this before, Steve, you made it popular. So, so now I've come full circle and I'm agreeing with Daniel again. <laughs> I think it's a mixture of everything. I mean, you know, there's not going to be one factor that decides this. I mean, it's probably a mixture of things. We had a question from the chat that I'd like to hit. Oops, that's not the right one. Uh, Mary asked <laughs> if there was a question about how people were getting clients, uh, sales, referrals, conferences. I don't remember that being on the survey. Was was that something that we covered? It was not in the survey, but uh, that's definitely something that I, I would like to ask. Again, this is kind of an indirect thing, Mary, because we're asking people, hey, if you were presented with this job, how much would you charge and how long would it take you? We're not really at finding out how much people are making or we're finding out how much people are, are quoting. And, you know, if we had access to like some type of credit card database or some Upwork <laughs> Fiverr type thing, whatever, you know, then we would have non-biased data of what people are actually uh, uh, charging, paying. But that being said, yes, honestly, that's part of uh, our mission, Steve and I at Podcast Editor Academy is to help people, you know, run and operate a profitable podcast editing business to, to grow their, their client base and, and get charged more. And that really falls in line with the preview of that. But we were just been taking baby steps year after year of like, you know, what more can we ask? What more can we ask? So, you know, we're, 
next year we plan to ask that as well as some of the other questions that people are asking about race and ethnicity. Yeah. And that question we didn't put on the survey, but I do know that it's asked constantly inside of the podcasters club. And I believe it's probably asked in the just Buzzers Facebook group. And I bet there's a, a whole stream on Reddit about it too. <laughs> you know, where do you find clients? And we do hear all people find clients all different places. It's not one big pool of Facebook, you know, communities and things like that. It's all over the place. We have to go back to that niche idea. You know, where's your niche? Where are you the, the big mm-hmm. fish in the small pond? Because, you know, when I'm in a group and the, somebody mentions podcasting, everybody starts talking about podcasting. Uh, not because I'm there, but it just seems like the conversation always goes to podcasting. So if you're the person who's in whatever group it is and you know about podcasting and you start talking about some things that you know about podcasting, now you're the expert, you might be finding a client there. Yeah. And I think that also goes back to the attending the conferences, right? Attend those conferences where, you know, conferences or meetups, let's just say networking events. Yes. Network. And that's it. Networking. That's the word is you have to network outside of the bubble. There's no point in, in trying to find a client in a group of podcast editors and and a good networking (laughs) environment too. Not the, the old ones that we're talking about. You walk around and introduce yourself and, I hated that. These are the, the places where people go to meet because of a, a topic, a subject. It's not necessarily a networking event or, you know, I don't want to say bad things about some of the activities that go on at the larger conferences. But when they have those those speed dating type things, I don't know if people get clients from there. I do know that you're going to meet people. I, and I yeah, I think more importantly... You meet them there, but then you see them in the hallways and then you bump into them in a, in a, a session and at an after party and that familiarity is on your side. Mm-hmm. Now you've got the converse, you've got the familiarity, they've got the conversation going and now the door is open to having that discussion about, yeah. you know, I was thinking about starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should hire you to help me with that. How we would do this next year is we would provide a, a list of uh, maybe five or ten possible client sources and a free text area because Steve likes to torture me with free text stuff that I have to sort <laughs> later. Isn't it? Isn't it? Trust me. I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, breaking out the Python skills. and uh, But we'll ask people like, hey. Rate your top three, one, two, three of where you find clients and between those and then correlating them and having the math predict the the price, we'll find out which ones you know, people are finding most of their clients through Fiverr. Yeah, they're, they're making you know much less than those people that are finding clients at uh, the, the industry events. And then you know, we'll be able to correct and correlate and adjust for, for factors such as you know, people's gender, or people's race, or people's location. Uh, luckily, that's what you know, it, it's you know, data science is science. Uh, the math lets us do that. Can I take over this uh, mastermind? Free text torture. I want to ask each one of you to tell me the three places you found clients or or that your clients have found you. Let's start with Brian. Three places that clients have found you or you found clients. Uh, First client I had was a guest on my show because somebody recommended him and that he became a client. So there's that one. Mm -hmm. One client I met because of ongoing interactions through Facebook groups. And a third client I met because of my relationship with Chris Curran, and it ended up being a referral. Fantastic. Jennifer. Okay, so my first client was from Facebook, and I've gotten others from Facebook. I've gotten folks from conferences by being introduced. And 
by wearing the podcast editing is my job, not your shirt. I got yes. a client from that, <laughs> which was at a conference. So uh, go buy that on Steve's store. <laughs> and then I am, I am a local expert here in Lexington. So I've gotten some, uh, I run the podcast meetup group here. And so I'm trying mm-hmm. to like level myself up and get referrals because I'm the expert. You've positioned yourself as the expert just by having the meetups, by facilitating those communications. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel. Fiverr. <laughs> um, We're so proud of you for thank growing you. up. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, I am much, much higher than I started out. Word of mouth referrals. So clients referring new clients. And then I've gotten a possible client from my Reaper group. So for being kind of like, you know, the admin in that group, whenever you position yourself as yes. the expert, the expert. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love it. All right, Carrie. So my very first client was from Upwork, mm-hmm. but now Facebook, Instagram, and from doing podcast interviews and speaking at non-podcasting conferences. And those two last things, they're they're the, the interviews that you are doing, it's because you've positioned yourself as the expert. I see a theme here, Steve. Yeah. And it's but it's not always about podcasting. That's oh, the fun okay. thing. Yeah. But do you talk about podcasting? Yeah. That's okay. you know, that's kind of like goes in the bio, right? <laughs> so but yeah. And my three are FinCon, FinCon, FinCon. So I'm the oddball <laughs> here. Uh, every single one of them is a FinCon or referral from someone in the FinCon community. Uh, but it's that niche and that's that putting yourself out there and being a, I don't want to say a leader, but you're exposing yourself as an expert in some way. And there's so mm-hmm. many different ways to do that. You've got to be the one who stands out in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be hard for some people who are just, I mean, we're virtual and everything now. How do you stand out in the crowd without being one of the many circle faces in the Facebook groups? You know what I mean? It's really hard. I don't know if I have the answer for that. I will say, though, that, you know, it's the niche. you got to be in a niche, and it's not about podcasting. It's about whatever topic, subject, genre you're, you're familiar with and you really enjoy. And you have to show up, and you have to be consistent about it, right? And then mm-hmm. Susan asked how I get invited to speak at non-podcasting conferences. Uh, the truth is I don't get invited. I apply. Right. Right. I'm looking for these conferences to speak. I do. I look for, especially now, it's great. Local virtual conferences. I'm getting in kind of like, you know, at the state level, at least, because I live in a, there are lots of chickens here. Uh, You know, I come across things just on Instagram, on Facebook, I mean, other communities. Women in business is a great kind of neat like a broad niche but a great niche for somebody like me so i actively go out and seek those out like i spend at least one day well an hour a week looking for that stuff i think it's a really good point is is applying to speak at conferences where you're interested i was not editing podcasts when i first spoke at fincon i spoke about podcasting because i knew more about podcasting than everybody else in the room but I wasn't editing podcasts at the time. I was able to submit a topic to speak on. And I'll tell you what, the the most important thing when you're submitting a topic to speak is the title. Come up with a juicy title that truly represents what you're going to talk about. But if you've got an attention-grabbing title, 
that's what your subject will be about. And that's what people are going to show up for. And that's what the, the organizers of the conference are going to pick you from. The description is also important, but that topic title mm -hmm. is really, really important. Yeah. I spoke about podcasting at a virtual dog trainer conference this year. <laughs> and they approached me because I'm the local expert. I don't awesome. know if anyone watched it or not, but I recorded <laughs> my little hour about podcasting for dog trainers. <laughs> That's amazing. I feel like we need a, an episode on how to craft a conference pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say as somebody I've done 40 some events and I've worked with a lot of the conference organizers in the podcasting space and outside the podcasting space, the application processes are are great. Definitely reach out to the conference and event organizers and not only present yourself as a, you know, an expert or, or whatever, but honestly make it easy on the conference organizers and event organizers, because they, they want somebody that is going to be easy to work with and please a crowd. The expertise is like, Sure, a close three, but it's it falls underneath one and two. So if you can show one and two quickly and concisely, you're in. That's how I got on the stage in uh, Internet Summit at, at a few cities. And I was the only podcaster like, oh, great. You're our token podcaster up on stage. And they know a podcaster can talk. They didn't even ask for my speaker reel because, oh, I'm a podcaster. And, and now I'm a podcast producer. I haven't had my own show since 2015. Sure, they still put me up on stage. So, yeah, network with the, the folks that run the place. Well, it's time to go because Mark has changed his icon on his name from <laughs> Star Trek that. to stats to zzz. So I think he's fading fast. But we wanted to give a shout out to the podcast editor Academy again. And everyone just sign up for their newsletter which is podcasteditoracademy.com slash newsletter. And then you can find out more about what we've been talking about. The link to the results. Will it be living in the Facebook group for a while too, or will it just be in the Academy? The replay will yeah. be in, it'll be in both. Okay. But it will only be in the uh, Facebook group for, I don't know, we're figuring about 30 days. Okay. So now is there something I can share over in Just Busters for our ladies for even for a limited time? We would have to find another way of doing that because uh, the group is closed, so we wouldn't be able to share it straight out. Yeah, but I think it's Tell something them. important for them to see. Yeah. Yes. They should just join yes. my join the club. Well, they should. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree. But I don't um, want to force them to do that if they're not right. yeah. interested. That we want to give our audiences options, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mark and I'll talk about how we might be able to do that. We'll see. Yeah. And the best way to get notified of that is join Steve's newsletter. Because once we hook that up, you know, it'll be up in his newsletter. And, uh, and you That's can go true. and check it out. I will say the survey results, it's not something we typically keep behind a lock and key. The 2019 results are still up there in public from like 14 months ago. Sure, a lot of the stuff is inside the Academy only, but these the survey results are, are too important, I think, for the industry. So, yeah, it'll be out there. Now, how, where, and what link? You know, we just did it tonight. <laughs> the best way is to get on Steve's newsletter. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us and for um, for the podcast editor mastermind group. If you want to be on this show, you can go to podcast editor mastermind dot com slash be a guest 
and join us. And I'm Jennifer Longworth. You can find me at bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com or follow me on Instagram at Carrie Eric. I'm Daniel Abendroth, and you can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Brian Entspringer. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. I don't know who to point at next. Let's go down to Mark. I'm Mark Deal, and you can find Steve Stewart and I over at podcasteditoracademy.com. And I'm Steve Stewart, and you'll find me at podcasteditoracademy.com. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's my place, too. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for joining us, and thank you all in the chat. It was very nice to have so many people watching this evening. Mm -hmm. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Uh, so um, how much is that? Um, 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 um